Tonight's scripture reading comes from Luke chapter 8, verses 26 through 39. And they sailed to the country of the Gerasenes, which is opposite Galilee. And when he had come out onto the land, he was met by a certain man from the city who was possessed with demons, and who had not put on any clothing for a long time, and was not living in a house, but in the tombs. And seeing Jesus, he cried out and fell before him, and said in a loud voice, What do I have to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I beg you, do not torment me. For he had been commanding the unclean spirit to come out of the man, for it had seized him many times, and he was bound with chains and shackles and kept under guard, and yet he would burst his fetters and be driven by the demon into the desert. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he said, Legion, for many demons had entered him. And they were entreating him not to command them to depart into the abyss. Now there was a herd of many swine feeding there on the mountain, and the demons entered him, entreated him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. And the demons came out from the man and entered the swine, and the herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. And when the herdsmen saw what had happened, they ran away and reported it in the city and out in the country. And the people went out to see what had happened, and they came to Jesus and found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting down at the feet of Jesus, clothed and in his right mind, And they became frightened. And those who had seen it reported to them how the man who was demon-possessed had been made well. And all the people of the country of the Gerasenes and the surrounding district asked him to depart from them, for they were gripped with great fear. And he got into a boat and returned. But the man from whom the demons had gone out was begging him that he might accompany him. But he sent him away, saying, Return to your house and describe what great things God has done for you. And he went away, proclaiming throughout the whole city what great things Jesus had done for him. The word of the Lord. I pushed through the door onto the parking lot. It was raining heavily. Pulling out of my parking space, it was hard to see. The windshield wipers were doing their best, but not really keeping up. I was trying to clear books and trash off the passenger seat for him. I almost lost control, shoving a wadded fast food bag and an empty pack of cigarettes under the seat. I turned onto Maple Quarry Road, and then right onto the frontage road. Not the frontage road that the gasseteria is on, but the frontage road that runs behind the church. I had to drive all the way down Cedar Quarry Trail, then cross the freeway, so I was headed in the right direction, on the one-way frontage road right to get to the gasseteria. The rain was sheeting down. The car was driving in the right direction. The passenger seat was cleared of most of the debris, and I was teetering on the edge of control. I'm teetering. I'm teetering. The clear commanding instructions set me straight when he called and told me to come and pick him up, but this pounding rain was pushing back the clarity, pounding it back. I was driving forward. I could see through the window warping rain out there, the liquid lights of the gasseteria complex. And on the road, then, near it, some kind of crazy giant in a Batman costume scissoring his arms over his head like he was trying to, I don't know, uh, maybe flag down a train or trying to fly. No, me. Batman was flagging me down. Without a thought or question, I pulled over. Batman ran to the car, his cape too soaked to unfurl behind him. I reached to unlock the door, 
as he pulled on the handle. We both paused. I reached to unlock the door again as he pulled on the handle. You have to wait until I unlock it, I yelled at Batman through the window glass. It won't work if you're pulling on at the same time I'm trying to unlock it. What? Don't pull on the handle. I pulled up on the lock. He grabbed the handle. Stall. I hit the door in frustration. Batman backed away. I opened the door from inside and pushed it open. He sort of shook off outside and then jumped into the car. His knees folded too tightly against the dash. He fumbled around the base of the seat, front and sides, looking for the slide the seat back thing. It's on the right side, way back, I told him. Rain was blowing in. He found it and slid the seat all the way back, pulled the cape in over his lap, slammed the door and said, right, thanks. Uh, if you could just drive somewhere out of the rain, I can't think. Do you know what I mean? I did know what he meant, but I didn't say so. I looked around. I drove the car to the, to the car wash stall in the back of the gasseteria. I found the receipt in the glove compartment, which involved asking Batman to squish his knees against the door so I could get it open. Um, I have a code from the last time I got gas, but the line was too long? Oh, he said. I punched the code in, the garage door opened, and I pulled in until the red light flashed. The car wash started up, spraying and soaping and mopping and, and rinsing. In a matter-of-fact way, he said to me, this isn't much better, actually. It's worse. Just wait till it's done. It's only the basic wash, I yelled. He smiled and nodded. I looked down at his boots while he stared ahead pleasantly at the various swooshing and spraying that went on. The boots came up almost to his knees, over his leather pants. I could see a studded belt where the cape had fallen away. He was wearing a comparatively ordinary black shirt with some sort of white thing at the neck. His hair was black, cut in that short Roman way. This was an expensive Batman costume, but not that accurate. He wrapped, uh, he wrapped the long black cape over his body. The rinse jets trickled to an end, and the green light green go light sign flashed on. I didn't go. Uh, that's a pretty nice cape, I said, still looking him up and down. It's not a cape exactly, it's a kappa, black friar's cloak. My eyes fell on the white strip at his neck. He lifted up his chin to help. Yes, he said, Ordo Predictorium, Order of Preachers, a Dominican friar and priest. Oh, I said, looking at his boots and leather pants. I have a story to tell you. I think it will help, he said. Help what? I was so far from my bunker, he turned his whole body towards me in the seat to face me and patted me on the leg and smiled. May I begin? I looked straight ahead at the green light flashing. Go, go, go. There had long been rumors throughout the Decapolis and the surrounding region that in Gesira they had created a monster. The Decapolis, I said? The Decapolis are the ten predominantly Greek cities in the region of Palestine in the first century. I know what the Decapolis are. It just seems really odd that a leather boy black friar would call me up at three in the morning and ask me to pick him up in the rain so he could tell me a story about a monster in the region of the Decapolis. Yes, well, he said it would help you in your uh, calling, or did he say mission? Idiot John? I'm calling it a project. How do you know Idiot John? Idiot who, he said. I'd watch how you, uh, you know, uh, those in glass houses 
Uh, may I continue? Go, go, go. Kisera was a city in ruin and constant turmoil. Its history was one of attack after one attack after another. The city was nearly destroyed when the king of Judah laid siege and captured the city, but did not care to hold it. He appointed a legion of his army to stay and make, it their, make their home there. But it was merely a gesture in the city of more than 10,000. It wasn't so much an occupation as a presence. The inhabitants of Gesseria were left mostly unharmed and allowed to rebuild. But the legions of Jewish shoulders, uh, destined to always be in the minority, were never quite at ease. Eventually, many of them took wives and had children. But even after several generations of intermarrying, a rift remained between those who could trace their fathers back to the original Jewish legion and those who father, whose fathers were among the Gentile citizens at the, at the time of the siege. Although it became harder and harder to tell which was which. Some say the situation was made worse because the city was made up of people who had only known war and violence, so that even in the relative times of peace, small disputes often escalated into bloodshed and further retaliation for the bloodshed resulted from these small disputes. Garcia was such a violent and unsafe place that travelers and traders would avoid it, leading to poverty, and as poverty always does, to further violence. Then it is said that the rabbi of the small synagogue and the high priest of the massive temple of Diana met in secret to devise a plan to bring peace to the city. Calling on a deep and ancient magic from before the time that either of the holy men knew, they set out to make a golem, a man-like creature without a soul. Many ancient mythologies tell stories of attempts of men to create life. In the Near East, the creatures are made from mud. In Norse mythology, from the burrows of trees. The two holy men would make their golem from the soil mixed with the seawater and bring it to the temple of Diana, the goddess of nature, and through incantations and rituals and prayers that are lost to us now, would appeal to the goddess to reward their efforts and bring to life the golem, and the golem would bring peace to the city. The plan was this. The heads of every household in the city would gather in the temple, and through these rituals and prayers and incantations, every man would transfer the dark side of their souls and their household souls into the golem. It was then believed that having no more darkness, no more treachery, no more violence, no more sin left in their own souls, they could live in peace as brothers and sisters. When the chanting and the prayers of all the men in the city had come to an end and the last echo of the final prayer had faded, when the smoke cleared from the fires and the sacrifices and the incense burned out, all was still. All was quiet, and they raised their heads to look on the altar where the golem had been laid. They saw standing there a man, or what appeared to be a man, shaking and with the look of a deranged question on his face, contorted, both afraid and ready to strike. It was believed that the dark side of the soul of every man there had come together in the golem to give him life, but it was a half of a life. He was only half alive, for though many men had given half their souls, the golem possessed still only half a soul. He could not speak, but grunt and wail only and spit. 
It was thought that he could not reason nor understand. The stillness and silence was broken by the men charging the golem with the change they had prepared. They bound him in shackles and in irons and burned into his forehead with a hot poker the name Hamaratia, which means sin. They led him outside of the city to the tombs where they, had chained, where they chained him, and they called him Sin, for he carried the spirits of, of all the evil of the city. The goddess of nature had heard their prayers and granted them a gift. But like nature, her gifts are sometimes beautiful and sometimes destructive and always uncontrollable. From that time on, when a dispute arose among the men in the city, the two at odds would go out to the tombs with the elders, and they would together beat the golem until they were exhausted, until their rage was spent, and then they would sit down and form a compromise. When a boy in Garcia came of age, he would hunt down golem with the men of his household, for the demonic was always breaking his chains, uh, though he never left the land of the tombs. He would hunt him down, and he would hurl stones at the golem until the golem could not stand. In that way, the boy was assured that sin and darkness would be purged from his own soul. When the harvest was small, trade was slow, or the rains didn't come, the men of Gesseria would go out to the edge of the tombs and throw torches at the golem in an attempt to set him on fire. During a time of relative peace, Jesus came to the region of the Decapolis from the other side across the sea. Wait. Wait, that's the end of the story? That will help me? Batman raised his eyes, a little put off. I am, you might have noticed, still telling you the story. No, you switched to a Jesus story. I'm telling you the same story. How does Jesus fit in? Jesus fits in quite well, I think you will find, if you listen to the story. He cocked his head, raised his eyebrow, and smiled, and waited, I guess to see if I would say anything else. So I didn't. Jesus, okay, he began again. During the time of relative peace brought about by the golem, Jesus came to the region of the Decapolis from across the sea, which was called the mystery of God, because only the divine can control the sea or understands its ways. Sometimes the sea gives food and plenty, other times destruction and death, and no one knows when or why. No one knows what is in the depths but God. So it is thought that it must hold all the mysteries of God. When Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately a man from the tombs filled with unclean spirits met him. When the golem saw Jesus from a distance, he ran to him and bowed down. And then, in a loud, tormented voice, broke through his grunts and wails. And for the first time, he spoke these anguished words. What have you to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you by God not to torment me. Jesus, matching his volume, replied, Come out of the man, you unclean spirits. And then in a lower voice asked him, What is your name? I am Hamarata, said Golem, the sins of many. The sin of Gesseria begged Jesus earnestly not to send him out of the creature of mud. There was a great herd of swine feeding on the hillside, and the sin begged him, send us into the swine, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the dark half-souls of the people of Gesseria left the golem and entered the swine. 
and the herd, numbering about 2,000, rushed down the steep bank into the sea and was swallowed up by the mystery of God. Some of the men from the city who tended the swine herd ran off and reported to everyone what had happened. Then many men rushed out to see what had happened there, running out of breath and talking. What will become of them without the golem, they wondered. When they reached Jesus, they didn't find the lifeless mixture of soil and seawater the holy men had used to form the golem, but instead a man sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, not only alive, but fully alive, not at all the half-alive creature they had created, but a man abundantly alive. When the men of the city saw this, they were afraid, and they begged Jesus to leave their land at once. Jesus did not answer them, but quoted to them from the book of Isaiah, I was ready to be sought out by those who did not ask, to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that did not call on my name. I held out my hands all day long to a rebellious people who walk in a way that is not good, following their own devices, a people who provoke me to my face continually, sacrificing in gardens and offering incense on bricks, who sit inside tombs and spend the nights in secret places, who eat swine's flesh with broth of abominable things in their vessels. And then he turned to get in the boat. Golem stopped him and begged Jesus to take him with him. But Jesus refused and said to him, Go with your friends, referring to the men from the city, and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and what mercy he has shown upon you. And Golem went to the city and began to proclaim what Jesus had done for him. And all around the city of Gesaria, men encountered their sin on the streets and in the market, and their sin proclaimed to them the mercy of God, and all were amazed. I felt a pain in my leg. I realized now I'd had my foot on the clutch the entire time. I took it off. The car still running lurched forward and died. The flashing go sign turned to thank you, thank you, thank you. And the big garage door in front of us rolled open. He opened the car door and got out and ducked his head back in and said something, follow the victim. What? He shut the door. And as he walked away, he triggered the giant blow dryers, which unfurled his cape behind him as he left the car wash bay.